0: Rejecting the screen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Noah Kozlov on the East Coast, out on the West Coast, Adam Stenko. We're going to get into Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz in a moment. But first, I saw a picture of you. Well, actually, it wasn't you, but it was tagged you on Facebook. And it had your snack choice at Pac 12 Media Days as Cheez Its. And I think Cheez Its <laughs>
1: are like the lowest of the low. Why Cheez Its? I, when i have uh, a sugary drink often a soft drink I, i'm a i'm a coke guy myself uh which is like forbidden apparently you walk around people will treat you like you're vaping like like that you could die from drinking a coke i understand the dangers of a coca cola but i love coke so i don't know if that's a ringing endorsement or if we just got some advertising money out of it but no
0: no i'm just i'm just I'm, looking forward to cutting that part up where it just says, I love Coke. And then
1: just playing that over and over again. <laughs> during, our, during exactly. our show I like to wash down Cheez-Its. Yeah. It got me through the day. It was a long day at, at media day. We had some, a good set of shows, but the, the bigger issue for me was, it was almost a little bit invasive. I found someone just took a picture of my work setup for the day and here's my snacks tag me. No mention. So I go on Facebook to see which birthdays I forgot. And what do I come across? But this picture of my snacks laid out for the day. And it wasn't even like they were actually my choices. I didn't go to Whole Foods or Target or something and, and made those selections. I, I, uh, you know, had limited choices and, and went with what I, what I wanted. Speaking of
0: invasive, got 30 seconds on your wife's most recent ultrasound. <laughs> I just
1: came from the <laughs> ultrasound, actually. And the funny thing about that, 10 15 a.m. appointment pacific time for those keeping score we show up at 10 because you and i are excited to record this rejecting the screen episode for locked on and what happens they don't see us until uh i want to say 11 a.m that's unacceptable unacceptable and and three times the nurse came out and said hey sorry about that the latest excuse was sorry, they're waiting to be seen by the doctor just because they have a few more questions. Like, come on. Come on, email that. Let's do it over the phone. You know, people have places to be. This is rejecting the screen. I need to take care of
0: it. All right, so speaking of answering some questions, Ben Simmons did it, hit a three. So I guess it counts because he did it on an NBA floor, but he didn't do it against an NBA team, and it's a preseason game. But the place went nuts, and I immediately thought, being a Philadelphia guy, or being from Philadelphia, I thought about it the, you'll always remember where you were when. And I thought about the final out of the 2008 World Series, which mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to be down on the field for it since I was working for MLB.com at the time. The Iverson over game 101, when everyone in Philadelphia still thinks that they actually won the title that year. In fact, they only won. Sixers only one game, one against the Lakers. in overtime, Right, and then the final concussion, the literal knockout blow of Eric Lindros' career when Scott Stevens caught him over the red line Memorial Day weekend of, mm-hmm. of 2000. But if Ben Simmons can get comfortable doing that, or even, I mean, last year, close to 80% of his shots came within five feet of the basket. Being able to pull that away, and I think the critical part of Ben Simmons being out on the perimeter is opening things up down low for Joel Embiid because last year Jimmy Butler became their closer. But if you can get Joel Embiid the ball in the post with the game on the line, that's where he wants to be. That's how the Sixers will win games.
1: Their entire offense will open up if Ben Simmons has the ability at least to threaten people from outside. And and the teams that have had the most success against the Sixers are the ones that are able to pack it in and really give them sort of issues because they're limited in doing the types of things you talked about with Embiid in the post. And now on a Sixers team without JJ Redick, another guy that can stretch the floor, now it's even more problematic. The interesting thing for me about Ben Simmons though. I was talking to someone the other day who said to me Ben Simmons is terrible. I don't recall when Ben Simmons got terrible. Hmm? I have such an appreciation for his game. Forget the three-pointer for a moment or or what he could do if he develops a shot, just how he is right now. Ben Simmons last year averaged 16 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, and shot 56% from the floor. So I looked up players historically who have done this Kind of you three guys wilt did it twice at ages 30 and 31 and lebron did it the 2012 2013 season when he was 28 ben simmons did it as a 22 year old so even taking away the idea that this guy needs to develop an outside shot and the threat of an outside shot which i don't think we're there yet but even just what he is right now in terms of his size his vision his ability to finish and his rebounding, and his defense, which I don't think gets enough credit. He is a special, special talent. So yes, the Sixers need him to do this, especially this season. And I think they're on pace to—I think they're the best team in the East. I, I do. I think the Sixers are, are the best team in the East. The addition of Matisse Thibel, defensively, they're going to be a nightmare for teams. Uh, but yes, they need a closer, and yes, Embiid should be the guy. And so a lot depends on what Ben Simmons can do from the outside. Yeah, and Ben Simmons could end up being a closer also if he— it's able to pull
0: the defense out and then get by somebody. I'm just glad you didn't say nobody talks about Ben Simmons' defense. Well, because if we all know, if you say nobody talks about, I'll just I'm gonna slap you <laughs> and <laughs> rightfully <I> so. <laughs> because there's always somebody talking about it, especially on the Locked On Network, since there's a team podcast every single day, so somebody is always talking about it. Markel Foltz, from folks talking to some folks around the league, he's considered the most bullied teenager in america yeah is that overkill yes but given his profile he has been bullied over the past few years and now he seems so far in in the preseason and we're recording this on wednesday and the magic do play on wednesday night that he seems to be playing just with his instincts he's an excellent defender he's been out of the game for almost a year he's six four a wingspan about six nine and he's playing with his instincts and he's playing free so you can almost see the weight coming off his shoulders. And I didn't pick him to win we had, for Sirius NBA Radio. I had to put in the Most Improved Player Award. I actually picked Aaron Gordon. But it's an easy case
1: to make for Markel Fultz if he does anything the idea that Markel Fultz has been bullied I, I think is is fair and it sort of goes to this idea of expectations i mean again if if there are nba fans running around like this person who said to me that ben simmons is terrible then if you think about what they oh, must think idiot. of markel fultz what's that oh he's an idiot yeah well no question but the point remains that there are people who who make these ridiculous proclamations every day. I mean, go on NBA Twitter and, and have at it. The The thing with Markel Fultz was when he came out of Washington and I got to see him a whole bunch and was hearing from people within the Pac-12, within the league, what they thought about Markel Fultz was this guy has the most advanced pick and roll game of anyone that they had ever seen. Because if you, if you uh, decide to trail back on it and don't chase him beyond the three point line and go behind the screen. Uh Markel Foltz will hit will hit the three. He was shooting at like a 40% clip from three in college. If you try to double him on the screen, he'll split it. And his advanced knowledge and his vision and his ability to pass out of situations coming around a screen was phenomenal he has a really high iq in those situations and obviously there's so much of the pick and roll game that exists in the nba so that stood out right away plus he's got a crazy ability to finish over bigs and i don't just mean dunking but like floater game and all that kind of stuff the mid-range when his shot went away and for whatever reason it it went away uh medical or, or psychological when that happened all of a sudden now one part of the pick and roll game was gone and then it was like everything was gone and then confidence was gone and you just saw this thing erode. If we can see him get back to a place that's even somewhat redeemable where his confidence just comes back, I saw what kind of player he could be. If that comes back, that would just be truly special. And I'm with you. I Certainly most improved player would be in the cards if, if for no other reason than a wonderful sentimental choice.
0: All right, so coming up, someone who certainly does not lack confidence, and that's Gilbert Arenas. You got to hear what Gilbert Arenas claims to be the ultimate Lakers lineup. Before we get to that, let's reject this screen with what we're hearing at the moment about China and Hong Kong and Daryl Morey's comments. And I've read a lot. I've watched a lot not just over the past two days but over the past few months and i still don't have a full grasp of everything but i do remember a few years ago when the nba took the all-star game out of charlotte adam and because of the bathroom bill and decided to punish charlotte although the city wanted to have separate laws than state but they ended up punishing charlotte pulled the all-star game out of charlotte And then brought it back this past year. I was on the radio with Howard Beck of Bleacher Report. And I said, why? And it was an unpopular opinion and and got a lot of phone calls on it. And I said, well, you can't just cherry pick these things. So if you're going to if you don't agree with how North Carolina's government is working, then what about all your business in China? What about all your business everywhere else around the world? So, it is a slippery slope. It's like when on a, on a different level, but although this story is kind of on the level of Donald Sterling, when Mark Cuban said that Donald Sterling, he, he wasn't in favor of forcing Donald Sterling to sell the team because he thought it was a slippery slope We're opening Pandora's box. Everybody has skeletons in the closet as an owner. And of course, we found out that the mavs certainly did have that and if in fact that was what mark cuban was referring to but if you're going to remove a all-star game from charlotte because of policies then but you have other options as the nba in that respect china where are your other options from the billions and billions and billions of dollars that you've already made and and are potentially making So I think it is a slippery slope and it's dangerous when you decide to cherry pick where you're going to do business.
1: Noah, it's funny. I always seem to agree with you. But in this case, once again, I do because just the angle that you've taken on this story, everyone's trying to figure out, first of all, everyone's trying to figure out what's going on uh, over there in asia and trying to figure out this situation it's funny how people are trying to read up as quickly as they can so they can you know put an opinion out on social media which once again as we always talk about we we seem to differ for how the masses want to jump in and, and have their opinions heard and i think that it it stands to reason that we should take a step back and say maybe a that we don't have all the information but b if you don't have all the information then how are you going to handle uh, this cherry picking concept that that you bring up? And I don't think enough people have have talked about it. And it has been talked about somewhat. I have seen some commentary on it. But it's so tricky because once you start playing the game that you are going to place value judgments on, on certain things that you agree or don't agree with, and Look, when it comes to my personal beliefs, and you know, I'm a progressive guy and I, I, you know, if there have been, you know, human rights atrocities as as has been brought up, then then maybe there's, you know, there's a reason that people are protesting. And and to get into the weeds of why that is or why each individual is protesting, or for us to have any understanding of it, of course, is mistaken. But to your point, now you now have to weigh moral judgments and and that's the game that's impossible to play how do you do that on a daily basis and 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 we know it it runs true what cuban had said about sterling and i thought that was fascinating as well because he was so concerned about the conversations that people have in their living rooms because mark cuban has been in rooms and had discussions with these guys these owners and knows what what's been brought up before and he knows that once you start uh, legislating against or or punishing for certain things, and not to say whether they should or they shouldn't, but it does become a slippery slope because once you do that, and now everyone is open to that uh, to that judgment. Yeah, and a, a good friend of mine lives in China, and he's he's lived there for
0: over a decade, and, and has had some high level jobs over there, and in technology, in government, and and he said that this isn't a this isn't anything new. He said that blue chip companies go through this stuff all the time because of how China's government operates. But what it comes down to, oftentimes with these other companies, is the consumer. Can the consumer over there, you know, and then the consumer oftentimes, or at least in in, in a few cases, speak uh, or carry more weight than what even what the government will will be able to legislate. So, and in this case, he said. Look, if they take the preseason games off the air, fine. If they eliminate the Houston Rockets from over there, fine. But if you're going to eliminate the entire NBA from China, forget it. Because the consumer doesn't have another option and the consumer is not going to stand for it. And then folks over there are going to be trying to watch games and trying to get all these other streams that the Chinese government is has tried for years to just crack down on every single one of them illegal streams vpns etc no need to get into the technical weeds there but he said the the consumer he thinks in this case would win out but it is a it's a situation that the nba certainly did not expect to find itself in and now when the reports are coming out coming out from over there you can tell that on espn the jump is over there with Rachel Nichols and, and Richard Jefferson and Rachel specifically. She's simply just giving facts. There is mm-hmm. no, there is no Rachel Nichols jump monologue here. He, she is, she is just giving facts.
1: What do you think that the Rockets, how would you handle this if you were, if you were Rockets ownership and the executives there with with Daryl Morey and with this sensitive subject and with the fact that the Rockets have benefited so much for their relationship with China. Sure, I mean, yeah. before, you know, all the, the backup players sure. uh being uh recognized over there, their sneaker deals that are involved, the the love that China has shown to to the Rockets is is unique I think to any team in in American sports.
0: Yeah, but but I also think that the players who say, we love China, we love China. Okay, yeah, you love China because of all the money you make there. And that's okay. That's all right. You're 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 just, you're being honest about it. But if you are truly invested in this, or if you are truly taken aback and insulted by and offended by what is happening in China, then stop taking money from there. It's simple as that. That's right. what that's what I tell people all the time about who call in and say that you know the NFL does this or the NBA does this and things are never going to change. I said, "Well, then you know what? Stop buying the products, stop going to games, stop paying for the packages on TV." I mean, that's the only that's the only way. So so money always talks whether it's going in or or coming out. Open gym we get to talk about whatever we want here. And I listened to so many different forms of basketball media. And I was listening to the knuckleheads with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson. Love it. Gilbert Arenas was on. Okay. And he said that the ultimate Lakers lineup and and Gilbert had some great stuff to say. Of course. About his, his background and, coming up and who he wanted to kill on the floor and how he was underrated and he was and then he couldn't believe that Richard Jefferson got drafted before him and when he heard Richard's name, he asked his dad, wait, well, dad, did wait, did I miss it? Did they, did they call my name? The guy was like the fourth best player on our team. I, I was best player on my team. And so he said the ultimate Lakers lineup would be LeBron at the one, Kuzma at the two, AD mm-hmm. at the three, Javel at the four. Dwight at the five playing some sort of zone. He said, who would score on them? Who, who would, who would score on them? Who, who, who would even be able to shoot over that? How big those guys are. Like, what? <laughs> you're going to put, you're going to put the, you're going to put all those guys out there. Okay. Who, who's actually going to, who's going to shoot for the Lakers. And you're going to tell me that Anthony Davis is now all of a sudden going to, I mean, you're going to play some sort of zone with those guys. Okay. All right. You're going to play. You're going to, play zone with javel mcgee and dwight and and when you can't just hang out in the middle of the paint anyway so and it it kind of related adam to something that he was talking about earlier that you can't he was talking about barkley criticizing (laughs) guys playing defense and he said you can't talk about something that you didn't do in your own career so then who can talk who can talk yeah like so, oh. so, Gilbert Arenas, so like when you have, so now all of a sudden on panel shows, you're going to have 18 people. Well, you know what? You didn't shoot the three well enough. So, <laughs> you can't talk about three. So now um, we've got 10 seconds over here for uh, Bruce Bone, who can only talk about the corner three because he didn't, he shot that well, but he didn't shoot the above the break three. Right. who
1: Who can talk these days? Uh this guy wasn't a dirty player so he can't comment on that dirty oh play yeah <clears throat> where do we where do we draw the line and obviously that runs amok uh, you know we, we hear that forever for you know athletes criticizing media members and look in a lot of cases that they're right the criticism is probably right in terms of the media member being lousy at their job but Not because they didn't. No, 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 no. Wait, not because they didn't play the given sport or not because they don't know it. I'm saying there are a lot of times where I'm like, yeah, you know what? That person is a lousy writer. But that being said, uh, I do think across the board, if we left it up to just just the athletes who were that specific, let's say, um, how many times would we hear that this team just went out there and played aggressively? Noah, how much would uh, yeah, we hear I can't, that? Yeah, I can I, I
0: tell athletes that all the time. I can't, I can't hear that anymore. If I had a dollar for every player who said I just want to I just want to, I just want to be aggressive, I'd I'd be retired by now. I can't right. hear it anymore.
1: It's it's ridiculous. I I there's something about Gilbert Arenas's and the Knuckleheads podcast in general, but there's something very refreshing about about Gilbert's um uh, candid nature. I do I do love it. And and the other thing yeah. with with the problem also with a lot of the athletes, and and you know this as well, and, and coaches, I would say the same thing, former executives. Problem is, it's so many guys are worried about their either current standing, what other people are going to say about them. They're worried about their next job, what their next position is going to be. And I think that sometimes is it's sort of forgotten in this. I think people assume that athletes don't say as much because either they, they don't think about those things or because um, you know, it just they're they're unable to process it when in so many cases, and, and having worked with a lot of athletes and coaches turned analysts, which I know you have as well, a lot of times it's just the idea that they that they filter themselves. And that's the problem. And and so for all of you know Gilbert's own flaws, and he's he's got a bunch of them and has has done some reckless. Yeah, things. Great. Uh yeah, and and an interesting thing about Gilbert Arenas, too, is that Gilbert became famous as a sort of commentator, let's call it, when he was doing his blog for NBA.com. Yeah, his okay. ghostwriter was our mutual yeah. friend, Dave McMinnon. And I was
0: working at the NBA at the time when mm. Dave was when Dave was doing that blog, and he tells a story. Now I'm, I'm promoting another podcast on the Network. <laughs> probably not a good idea for our first show. We yeah, no, but it sounds <laughs> about right. It's actually probably yeah.
1: appropriate.
0: But, but he tells, but he tells a whole, he tells a whole story about how the persona came about of him, and it is nuts how yeah, much yeah. money like he spent like two mil on the story of him, and it's and a and a party, not Jay Z or Beyonce, Diddy. It was it was wild. It's uh, wild. We'll have, to have Dave on. Dave
1: will Dave will come on and tell and tell the story. I want to get he- Gilbert on. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, oh, yeah. Forget Dave. Yeah. We could we could talk about to it. him anytime. The one thing I will say though, I, I remember from that time, Dave would would be out and about, you know, a, a uh, let let's say a restaurant establishment or something, and all of a sudden, Gilbert would call him with some yeah. wacky thing, and Dave would have to like grab napkins and and try to write down what Gilbert wanted to put out there for the world. Uh, yeah. It was Twitter before before Twitter took off. Oh, it was it? Was
0: uh, anything on your mind?
1: No, I, you covered it really. I, I think the biggest thing for me was just the excitement in in doing this. I'm I'm super grateful that that David Locke and and the rest of the Lockdown network has given us this opportunity. Um, you know, for people that that don't know your work, Noah, um they're going to love to be entertained by the things that that you have to say. And uh yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go out there and, and say they'll, And they'll tolerate you. Fine. And they'll tolerate me, and that's usually how it works. <laughs> That's how our relationship
0: works. You're entertained, and I tolerate you. He's Adam Stanko. I'm Noah Kozlov. We're the two hosts of Rejecting the Screen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to the feed, download, rate, review, send us comments, Twitter, in the comments section, and check out all the other podcasts, the only network with every team covered every day here on Locked On.